I am very excited to be ending off our Irresistible series today with Jesus is Relational. And I love this topic because I really feel like it could change our lives. Okay? If we could just become more like Jesus in this area, we would be setting ourselves up for victory. And there's research being done to prove this point. I recently attended a conference online uh, where one of the speakers shared the top three statistical predictors of spiritual growth. Okay, the top three statistical predictors of spiritual growth. So what, what are the three, the top three things that if you're doing these three, these three things, you're setting yourself on a tra trajectory um, for spiritual growth. You're most likely to grow in your relationship with God if you're doing these three things. And I'm going to share them with you today, okay? So the number one statistical predictor of spiritual growth is how many intimate Christian friends you have right now. How many intimate Christian friends you have right now. So not previously, not when you were younger, not pre-COVID, but right now in the season that you're in now, how many intimate Christian friends do you have? Do you have a group of people around you, friends around you that you're doing life with, that love Jesus and that are encouraging you in your relationship with God? Number two is having a weekly ministry that charges you up. Okay, being a part of something, being part of a team that you can come to weekly where you feel like you're making a difference, where you can live out your purpose weekly. Number three is being connected to a leader who regularly invites you to take your next step. Okay, that's, that talks about being a part of a team, maybe a dream team, or um, being in a life group where you've got a leader that is regularly inviting you to take your next step um, in your journey with God. And I found these three things very interesting because when I looked at them, I realized that there's a common denominator in all three, and that's relationships. Okay, in order to, to do these three things, we actually need to be connected to people, to be in relationship with other Christians. So we need to have Christian friends. That's relational. It's investing. It's taking time to, to, to rock up and to, to go to life group or to surround yourself with good Christian friends and invest in those relationships. Having a weekly ministry that charges you up, it speaks of being in a team, being a part of a group of people where together you're making a difference. Okay, being connected to a leader, you have to be a part of a group or a team in order to be connected to one of the leaders in the church that, that love you and are wanting to encourage you to grow in your relationship with God. And relationships, like we shouldn't be surprised that the top three things that we should be doing in order to grow in our relationship with God have to do with relationships because God uses relationships to grow us. Okay, relationships are God's tool for growth. And throughout this series, we've been inviting you to come and see this Jesus that we find so irresistible. And so today I'm inviting you to come and see this Jesus that is relational. Everything about Jesus' ministry on earth was relational. Jesus used relationships to change the world. Okay, when he started his ministry, 
he, the first thing he did was he got um, a group of disciples together. He called people to come and walk with him. And this group, these group of disciples and some women, um, they, they lived together, they worked together, they ministered together, um, they ate together, they lived relationally. And as they, they lived in relationship, God taught them, God in, like, or Jesus taught them, and Jesus spent his life for this group of people. He gave into them day and night. He built into them. And that's the very group of people that he, that he left in charge to change the world. And we're actually here today because of that relationship that he had with those people, because he sent them out to do the same for others. He said, I've invested in you. I've discipled you. Now go and do this for others. Go and build relationships with other people and teaching them to do the same. And there's so many stories um, in the Gospels that we could share today about where we could show you how relational Jesus is. Um, I even just think of the story of Zacchaeus, that Zacchaeus is up in the tree and Jesus doesn't call him down and say, hey, Zacchaeus, come down here. I want to just, I, want, I, I know what you've been doing. I've seen the money you've stolen. This is what I want you to do. Like he doesn't tell him what he, what he did wrong. Jesus calls him down and he says, hey, Zacchaeus, let's go for lunch. Let's, let's go and connect. I want to connect with you. And he goes and he has this lunch with Jesus and it changes him. It changes who he is. He gives back what he's stolen and, and that encounter, that lunch changes his life. Okay. And I actually want to encourage you now that we, we're finishing off the series, I want to encourage you to go and read one of the Gospels. If you're not working through a plan at the moment, Bible plan, why don't you choose one of the Gospels and start reading through it and, and look, look at Jesus, get to know Jesus through his word. And you'll see, you'll see all these stories of how Jesus related to people. But today I want to highlight two specific stories where I feel like it gives us a glimpse into Jesus' relationship with his disciples. And so Jesus has come to the end of his ministry and he's about to be arrested. Later that evening, he's arrested. And so him and his disciples are having their last supper together. And it's a story where um, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. It's, it's customary for the host of the party to have some water available as guests arrive um, to wash their feet. Because remember, in those days, they didn't have cars that they drove around in. Everything was sand, there was no tar road, so they wore sandals and they walked everywhere. So your feet would be pretty dirty when you came for dinner. And um, I mean, I think often they would even sit on like cushions around a table. So I mean, your feet are right there. You're going you're gonna to want to clean. You don't just wash your hands before dinner. You actually wash your feet before dinner in Jesus's time. And for some reason, they don't wash their feet before dinner this time. They go and they sit and they, they have their last dinner with Jesus. <clears throat> And after the meal, Jesus gets up, he takes off his robe and he wraps a, a towel around his waist. He pours a basin of water and he goes and he washes all his disciples' feet. And we see the story, we find the story in John 13, verse, from verse 1 to 17. And the beginning just says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. So Jesus knew that the time had come for him to be arrested, that he knew that this was the time, that this was his last supper 
the last night of connection with his, with his disciples. And it says he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. You see, Jesus is relational. Jesus wasn't using the disciples as a means to an end. He didn't want something from them. He wanted something for them. He loved them. And in this story, we see Jesus doing one final act of love for his disciples. He knows he's about to die. He, knows, he even knows that one of the people in this room, one of the people that he's washing the feet of, is about to betray him. But he takes the time to connect with each one of them. And as I was preparing, I just looked at a few um, paintings of, um, of this Last Supper. And I just want to put this one picture up because it made me... It made me think or realize like, wow, like Jesus actually had a moment with each one of his disciples while he was doing this. Okay, there was a time where he, for every single one of them, he was able to look them in the face, wash their feet, look them in the face, wash their feet. He took that time to connect personally with each one of his disciples. And even with Judas, okay, Jesus took that time to, to wash Judas's feet, even though he knew he was going to betray him. And isn't that just such an amazing picture of loving our enemies. Jesus, Jesus showed us how to love our enemies. And so he goes through all the disciples washing their feet, and then he gets to Peter, and Peter's like, whoa, no, Jesus, you are not washing my dirty feet. Like, I'm not letting you in there. Not you. You're not doing that. And Jesus says to him, but I have to, Peter. You need me to do this. And so my point, my first point today is you need people. Okay, Jesus was showing care and love to his disciples. And Peter, Peter needed to accept that care and that love. He needed to be vulnerable enough to allow Jesus to care for him. You need people. We need to allow people into the dirty and the ugly places of our lives. Jesus was modeling to them what love and humility looked like. They needed to be vulnerable and open enough to accept that love and care from Jesus. Now, we all, we all need people to care for us, especially now in this season. I think there are a lot of people that are lonely. Um, you've had six months of isolation, six months of lockdown, um, trying to get through a pandemic on your own, you know, trying to, trying to just survive. And maybe you need somebody to care for you in this season. Maybe you've been affected financially through this lockdown and you're actually needing people to come alongside and, and help you, um, to support you. We also all need, we all need people to encourage us. Okay, maybe you're a single mom and this season has been hard. Or maybe you're just parents of young children and it has been just ridiculous and crazy and you're actually needing people to come alongside you that can encourage you and say, hey, we're in this together. We're, we're where you are too and, and we can do this. Like, don't give up. We all need people to encourage us. We all need people to pray with us. Okay, I'm so grateful that I have two mothers and a grandmother who pray for me and pray for my family because it is a huge blessing. And maybe you don't have that in your life, but do you know that if you're part of a life group, we train our life group leaders or our life group facilitators to pray for you 
So if you're in a life group, you are on someone's prayer list. They are praying for you. But maybe, maybe you're needing something specific to, in, this, in this season. Maybe you just need to reach out to your life group leader. I mean, they're praying for you already. So give them some guidance. Hey guys, like we're actually really struggling in this area. Please, can you pray into that? Because they're praying for you already. So just allow them to care for you and to love you in this way. I'm on a WhatsApp group with two of my best friends. And um, so if I'm struggling with something or I'm um, you know, just feeling inadequate in an area, I, I pick up my phone and I just message them and I know that they will drop what they're doing and they will pray for me. And I don't find this easy, okay? I find being vulnerable really hard. It doesn't come naturally to me, but I'm really intentional about not struggling on my own and trying to, trying to figure it all out by myself, okay? I'm, I'm intentional about pushing through that and saying, okay, like I'm feeling anxious today or I'm feeling... Um, feeling like I've messed up in this area or flip, I just, I am failing at parenting today. Okay, I can pick up my phone and just message, Hickles, please just lift me up in prayer. And so I want to encourage you to reach out to somebody and ask them to pray. Ask them, get people around you. Don't, don't go through this alone. Okay, we all need people. And lastly, we all need people to protect us. We need friends that are going to be friends of our future and not friends of our feelings. We need people that will care enough to call us out on things. Okay, we need friends that are going to be like, hey, like, I've noticed something lately. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, you, I think you're going down the wrong path in this area. Or hey, like, when last have you had a date night with your wife? Why don't you bring the kids over? We'll look after them and you go and have a date. You need friends that are going to look out for you, that have your back. If you are the only person who knows your sin, then you're in trouble. Okay, you need people where you can share openly with them, where you can tell them what's happening and they can walk a road with you and help you to grow through it. We need people in our lives that can see things that we don't see, okay? We, we all have blind spots. I can't see what's happening behind me right now, but um, if I had somebody standing behind me looking that way and somebody on the side and somebody on this side, I would be able to know what was going on all around me. So you need friends that can see the blind spots in your life that can gently um, call you out on it and help you to grow as a person. And, you know, COVID has made this really hard. Um, we're continuously being told that we need, a social, we need to be social, socially distanced. Um, but as a church, we're actually changing that language. Okay, we're going to, we want to say you need to be physically distanced. Okay, we know that. And when we come back to church next week, Sunday, on the 4th of October, we are going to make sure that you are able to be physically distanced okay we want to keep we want to stay safe and we want to keep you safe and so we're going to make sure that that we keep all those regulations but we we want you to be socially connected okay physically distanced but socially connected and we've had actually had some great testimonies um, from people who've managed to stay socially connected in this time. And we've had life groups going on, um, carrying on or continuing online. We've had online prayer meetings. Our um, dream team 
leaders have been connecting weekly with their, their people via WhatsApp. Um, some of the teams have, have been following Bible reading plans together, and we've seen some great testimonies come out of the season. Um, one of the life groups that I, I really just love hearing the stories um, coming out of that weekly is, um, is a life group of a, a couple of women, and they're actually... Um, quite a diverse group. They, they range, I mean, they, some live in Brooklyn, in Phoenix, in Joslovo, in Tableview, um, in Milnerton Ridge. Like, they come from all over. Um, and, but the thing that, that connected them was that they were all eager to grow and to connect with people. They were eager for relationship. And they actually started out as a freedom group. And, um, yeah, they did freedom together. And it's a great curriculum where it really gets you into the place where you're able to be vulnerable and able to, to, for people to help you to walk, to work through things. And one of the ladies just shared um, recent, or something that she said, sorry, one of the ladies um, in the life group says, I cannot wait for life group each week. It brings me so much joy. Okay, there's incredible testimonies coming out of life groups, coming out of people that have still been connected in the season. And at View Church Milnerton, our pastoral care happens through life groups. Okay, the, the, the structure that we have is that we, we communicate constantly with our life group leaders. And our life group leaders are connecting with their groups all the time. And this, this happened, so, this worked so well during COVID because they were, all our life group leaders were connecting with their teams, finding out, hey, who's lost their job? Who's, who's lost income over this time? Are you guys okay? Anybody struggling that, that doesn't have, um, anybody that doesn't have food at the moment where we can, we can provide for you? And um, as a church, you have been incredibly generous with your tithes and your offerings and giving towards the COVID fund. And we've actually been able to, um, to walk with the people in our church, to bless people, to care for people, to provide vouchers so they can buy food and electricity. Um, we've been able to give uh, food parcels and to actually care for our community as well. And even one life group, like we phoned the, or connected with the life group leader to check in, hey, is there any needs in your life group that we can um, provide for? And they were actually already taking care of everyone in their life groups themselves. They had come around um, a couple in their life groups and they were rotating, making dinners for this family because they, they were struggling. And so the life group took it on themselves to just provide and to, to walk with them. Other life groups have bought data um, for members of their life group so that they could join church on a Sunday. So our, our pe people in our church have been taken care of through other people in our church. Okay, so our, our, our way that we do it is through life groups. So if you're not in a life group, why not? Okay, I want to encourage you to sign up for a life group because you need people. You need people to care for you. You need people to pray with you. You need people um, to protect you. And you need people to encourage you. Okay, so you need people. And then my second point today is that people need you. In um, chapter 13, from verse 12 to 15, it says, After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I am doing? Or what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. 
and since I am Lord and teacher, you I, since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Remember, this is the last time that Jesus is going to sit down and have a meal like this with his disciples before he faces the cross. It's his last opportunity to encourage them about something important. And he, he chooses to focus on relationships. Can he actually, he doesn't just speak to them and say, hey, like, I need you to love people. I need you to serve people. Because um, they're going to forget that amongst all the other things. He actually paints them a picture. He shows them. He actually does something that shocks them because a teacher should not have been washing their feet. Okay, that's something that a slave does or that you do yourself. It's not something that, that somebody does for you and especially not your teacher or your Lord. And, and so he shocks them so that they'll remember this moment. He does something that will help them to remember this once he's gone. He says, I've physically shown you an example of how I've loved you and cared for you, and now I want you to go and do the same for others. <clears throat> Jesus is relational, and he knows that spiritual growth happens in the context of relationships. And so he leaves them with this picture of how to love and care for people. People need you to care for them. They need you to encourage them. They need you to pray for them. And they need you to protect them. Now we're entering a new season where restrictions are being lifted and um, there's going to be more opportunity, where we're, we're going to have more opportunity to love and care for people. And I really feel like it's a time to lift our eyes off of our own situations and to look at people around us and to ask, who needs me right now? Where can I, how can I love and serve people in this season? Right now in our church, there are people who are lonely. There are people who are struggling financially and emotionally. Yeah, there are marriages that it's been hard for them during lockdown. There are people who need you to care for them and encourage them right now. And are we available? Okay, Jesus was a busy man. Okay, he constantly had people around him. Everybody wanted a piece of Jesus. Everybody wanted to be around him. They wanted something from him. He was busy, but he was available. Okay, Jesus was available for people. Even just think of the story um, of Jairus where Jesus comes back to the other side of the lake and there's this huge crowd around him and everyone's around him. And then Jairus comes and he says, my, my daughter is very sick. Please come with me. And what does Jesus say? Sure, I'll come with you. He's, he is interruptible. Okay? He goes with them while he's walking to, um, with Jairus. The crowd just follows him and the crowd's all around him. And he feels power leave him. And he turns around and he says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, but every, there's so many people around you. Everyone's touching you. He's like, no, no, who touched me? And he looks and he finds this woman um, with the issue of the blood that had reached out because she was so desperate for healing. And he doesn't just carry on. You know, he takes a moment to stop, to look at her and to say, you know, you've been healed. You, you, I'm giving you this. He takes a moment to acknowledge her. Because Jesus is relational. 
Okay, and he's available. Even though he's busy doing something, he stops and he gives this time and attention to this woman. And then he goes on and um, even in that moment, people come and tell Jairus that his daughter's actually died. And Jesus is like, no, no, like, I'm going to come and help you. And he goes and he actually raises her from the dead. He prays for her and she wakes up and she's healed. And so Jesus is interruptible. And today I just want to I want to ask you, like, are you available? Are you interruptible? Maybe you don't feel like you need life group right now. Maybe you think, oh, you know, my life is great. I'm actually growing in my relationship with God and I've got friends around me. But then I want to encourage you to join for somebody else. Join a life group because people need you. Okay, so you need people and people need you. In Luke 22, verse 39 to 46, we um, read the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so this is just after they finish dinner. He leaves as he usually does, goes to the garden to pray. And some of the disciples come with him. And he goes, it says he goes a stone throw. So it says, then he went off from them about a distance of a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Father, he said, if you will, take this cup of suffering from me. Not my will, however, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. In great anguish, he prayed even more fervently. His sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And so Jesus um, goes just a stone's throw away. So he still, he goes just, just far enough to be alone, but still close enough for his disciples to hear him and to see him. And he prays and he has this moment of vulnerability with his father. And I think when I read this, I was like, wow, like Jesus allows his disciples to see him in this moment, to see him in the state, to hear his prayer, where he's, where he's saying, God, please, like, I don't want to do this if I don't have to. Is there another way? And he's saying, no, like this. And he, but he's saying, like, I, I will, your will be done. Because Jesus knows that he's going to experience separation from God. He knows that he's going to experience all the wrath of the Father for our sins. And it's, it's agonizing, okay? He's, he's sweating blood. He's agonizing so much. And he's, but he's allowing his disciples into this moment of vulnerability. And so Jesus, Jesus doesn't have to pretend with them. Um, Jesus is real and vulnerable in front of them. And Jesus finishes praying and he goes back and he, and he sees his disciples are sleeping. Now, this always annoyed me when I read this. I was like, jeepers, guys. Like, he just needed you this one time. Can't you stay awake? But actually, if you read in the Bible, it says they were worn out from grief. So they fell asleep because they were so exhausted from grief. And so they could see Jesus. They could hear him. And they were actually um, carrying that for him. They were grieving with him. So they were supporting him in that way. And it was, it was so exhausting that they passed out. And it's not e always easy um, relationships. It's not always easy to be there for people. And you're not always going to feel like rocking up, okay? Especially now where we are so used to just staying home. It's so easy just to be at home. We're going to have to retrain ourselves to get out there. As the season is changing, as things are opening, we're going to have to retrain ourselves to, um, to put the effort in to actually rock up. And um, Jesus actually says to the disciples, um, he tells them, pray that you would not fall into temptation. 
So he's saying, if you, if you feel like you're going to fall asleep, pray that you weren't given to that temptation. And our prayer for you in this season is that you wouldn't take the easy road out, but that you would do the hard work of connecting with people, the hard work of building relationships. And not because we want something from you, but because we want something for you. Okay, we know that if you put the effort in, if you put the work in, you are going to set yourself up for victory. Okay, you're going to be able to be closer to God. You're going to grow spiritually if you invest in relationships. So I want to just end off today by praying for you. And I also want to pray for anybody that's watching that, this today and maybe you're not in a relationship with Jesus. You don't know this relational Jesus that I'm talking about. And Jesus was relational in, when he's, in his ministry on earth, but he's still relational today and he wants a relationship with you. And so if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to start this relationship with Jesus, why don't you just pray these simple words after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I don't get everything right and I need you. Please forgive me. Jesus, won't you show me what it means to walk with you? Won't you show me who you are? I want you in my life. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, I just lift up everybody who's watching this message today. And God, I pray that they would do the hard work of building relationships. God, if they're feeling lonely, I pray that they would reach out to somebody. God, if they're not connected to a group, I pray that they would get connected, that they would sign up to join a life group. God, if there's people that are watching, that are struggling in an area, maybe their marriage is hard, maybe they're struggling with friendships, um, maybe they're struggling financially, God, I pray that you give them the courage to reach out to someone today. Father, help them to love people, to, build, to invest in relationships. And God, I thank you that this is your, your way, God. You are relational and you want us to be relational. And I thank you that you've given us this tool of relationships to help us to grow, to become more like you. And thank you that you want to bring people alongside us so that together we can make a difference for you. So I commit every person to you and I ask you to bless them with great friendships in Jesus' name. Amen.